0: Well, of course, they knew that he was in trouble as soon as his hat started to burn. Yeah, his hat was on fire, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was just standing there, and all of a sudden his hat blew up. <laughs> you kind of like that idea, don't you? <laughs> also, his hair started to burn. <laughs> He'd gotten hit by lightning again. Yeah, didn't. You know about the guy that holds the words, well, Did you did you hear the details on it, though? I mean, you know, they just mentioned this guy. They got, you want to hear about it? Well, as an expert on lightning, I, I uh, have been, uh, I've been threatening to tell this story. It's kind of touchy, but I don't think many people in New York have really had much to do with uh, with uh, with nature itself. You know, that's why we tend to romanticize it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you can go over here to Herman's and you'll find 500 kids walking around thinking they're going to get this nylon pack and they're going to buy this aluminum frame and they're going to... They're going to hike all the way across the North American continent, all the way to the Arctic Circle. They get these fantastic concepts, never even knowing about blue-bottle flies, uh, which can tear your leg right out of the roots. Oh, I've seen flies just, uh, you know, just pick people apart like old bones of turkeys from last Thanksgiving. Have you ever seen that, Bill? Phew! But that's that's only part of it. I, I didn't want to bring up this lightning thing, but as long as everybody's talking about this... Yeah, well, you know, there's a guy... He just got hit again. And uh, he he, uh, he is the, yeah, he got hit again. And he is the world's record holder of getting hit by the most times, the number of times getting hit by lightning, direct hits. Yeah, well, all right, I'll read it. It says, if it happened to a lesser man, this is a story out of the Washington Star News. If it happened to a lesser man, he might be justified in thinking that something up there or someone up there doesn't like him. But not Shenandoah National Park Ranger Roy Sullivan, who reported to work yesterday after recuperating for 17 days since being hit by a bolt of lightning directly on the head for the fifth time. Fifth time, friends. However, Sullivan says he now knows the reason for it all. And having solved the riddle, says he's got the problem (laughs) licked. After five shots, he's got it licked, and he won't be hit by lightning again. The ranger, who is listed in the Guinness Book of World Records as, quote, the only living man to be struck by lightning four times, has said he was zapped for the fifth time last August while on Skyline Drive patrolling his mountaintop beat. Zap. He says, I had, had a dream. Do you know what he said? He said, you know, I had a dream that I was going to be struck again this year. And after that, I had been dodging every storm that came near me. I had a strange see. Every time he saw the dark clouds gathering above the mountains, he said he'd head straight for the lowlands in the other direction at top speed. But on August the 7th, he miscalculated the direction. And he calculated wrong the strength of the gathering storm clouds. And while attempting to drive away from it by going north... Instead, he ran smack into the center of the fury. And we quote, Yeah, here's a bad one. I'll tell you, it's a bad one. I actually saw that lightning. I want to tell you, I actually saw that lightning bolt shoot out of the clouds. I saw it coming. I saw it heading straight for me. Sullivan recalled, Can you imagine looking up and seeing a lightning bolt coming right out of a storm cloud at you? He said, I actually saw it coming down. It struck me on the head. Hit me right top on the head, set my hair on fire, my hat started to burn, and down, it went right down my left arm and left leg. It knocked my left shoe, flew right off. It didn't untie the lace or nothing, just blew off. It then crossed over to my right leg below the knee and went right down into the ground, and there I sat with my hat burning. My hair on fire. And my God, I knew that I set another record. It was the fifth time. I guess I was knocked about ten feet. I felt like some heavyweight boxer had squared into me and given me all the head. In fact, I, I picked up five gallons of water in my pickup truck. And, and I went over there and I stuck my head under a spigot to extinguish the fire on the top of my head. Poured it over my head to put out the fire. There I was. I then run to the ranger's house. And they gave me first aid. I was never out of work in 31 years of working for the park until last last strike. I tell you, I, I, you know, the the other four was nothing compared to this last one. It was the hottest, the hottest strike of all, man. I, I saw that baby coming, and I was home on leave for 17 days with this one. Now here's a story for you. Sullivan said he had had dreams that he was going to be hit before each time he'd been zapped. He was first struck by a lightning bolt in 1942, but it just clipped off a toenail. <laughs> the bolt that caught him in 1969, however, was stronger and burned off his eyebrows and knocked him unconscious as he drove down a mountain road. The year after, in 1970, a bolt burned him on his shoulders and blew his hat off. And <laughs> that hat flying off all the time. And then on April 16, 1972, his hair was completely burned off while he was hit while standing by a park registration booth. Well, it was that fourth zap that made him nervous and scared him and convinced him that some supernatural force was out to get him. And I quote, I just couldn't understand four times. I couldn't understand four times. Why four times? Why me? Four times? I sat down there and I prayed to God for an answer. I shivered and shaked every time a storm came over. I got no answer. Why me? But then came last August 7th of the 5th time. And he remembers the clouds that day. The clouds were actually following him. He says, I could see them clouds following me. And they were chasing him downhill and up up the hollow as he attempted to dodge the storm. As he ran for there, he said, the clouds were chasing me, actually chasing me. He said he thought he'd done it and pulled into Eaton Hollow. I pulled into Eaton Hollow to wait for the storm to pass. But our guess, listen to this, friends. I guess it was just waiting for me, just waiting for me.
1: And the minute I stepped out of my truck, zap! My hat's burning.
0: My God, seventeen days this time, out of work. While he was recuperating, Sullivan said he had another dream. He had another dream, and now he is not afraid. That was the last one. He said, "That was the last one." I know exactly why it happened. Now, I know because this last dream told me it was all for good purposes. And so he said he wasn't afraid to return to work. And now he's driving up and down Skyline Drive, just like he has for all these years past, looking for fires and helping tourists without a care. Why did it all happen? Sullivan is not telling. Well. That's between God and me, and nobody but us will ever know. That's all he had to say. I just let that soak in for a while. You didn't hear all of that side of the story, did you?
1: Just between God and me. And he ain't going to tell. Neither one. I mean, can't you see those clouds
0: chasing you around? I mean, you're running up and down hill and dale in your pickup truck, and you look out and you see the clouds chasing you. Have you ever been chased by a cloud, friend? And then you look up, all of a sudden you see coming out of that sky. Bam! And your hair is on fire. God has set another another goody on you. Your hat's burning in the bushes. One of your shoes is floating downstream. Flames coming out of the lace. Oh, my God almighty. I don't know when the next one's going to hit. They're after me. They're looking for me every minute of the day. Oh, oh, oh. What's what's it all about? I know that lightning. She's going to come down and get me one day. Hold it there. Well, I want to tell you, have any of you ever been hit by
1: lightning?
0: Is there anybody listening tonight that's been hit by lightning? I mean, seriously, been hit by lightning. I'm not going to tell you I have. I have not. But I'm going to tell you this. There are some parts of the country that get more lightning than other parts of the country for many, many reasons. Uh, Meteorological reasons, primarily. Geological, geographical reasons. But there are some parts of the country where lightning is a real, real problem. Now, you never see anybody, you can't imagine anybody getting hit by lightning here in New York City. Why, well, a lightning boat would dare show up in this town. You know, it just doesn't do it. But, all right, I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. What state has has the most frequency of lightning? In other words, the most recorded constant lightning. Hmm? Kansas? No. All right, I'll tell you, Florida. Florida has more lightning than any other state, very closely followed by Arizona. In fact, uh, it's nothing to talk. Some years more Arizona, some years more Florida. But if you've ever seen a real good Florida lightning storm, you know what I'm talking about. Now, why those states? Well, it's a, it's the warm air, cool air coming in, the cloud uh, formations and uh, uh, both flat states you notice, uh, and uh, this is very important. So you get a lot of lightning, and you'll also get a lot of lightning in mountainous areas of a certain type. But uh, but those flat, hot Midwestern states, lightning, friends, is about as common as cigar butts along Sixth Avenue. I mean, oh wow! And and uh, you see some fantastic scenes with lightning. And if in fact the most the most wi- one of the wildest lightning storms I've been in in recent years was just about, oh, I'd say about two weeks ago. Uh, I was in a lightning storm that hit like a it just it hit like a like a, well, it just came out of the out of the blue literally. It was a gray, sort of a it began to get gray, and all of a sudden, you could hear the sound of this wind rushing. And I was on horseback of all things. we were riding horses when all of a sudden, boom this baby hit. It was fantastic lightning and thunderstorm with gigantic hailstones, roughly the size of, uh, oh, small, about the size of ping-pong balls, small golf balls, bouncing down, screaming around, knocking down the corn, crashing through the trees, and lightning was striking all over the place, and incidentally it's quite dangerous to be on a horse in a lightning storm, because you're pretty high up. So we we got these horses into a barn that was just open there by the side of this road. we poured all the horses in there, and and it was one of those fantastic moments. Not more than two minutes after we got the horses into the barn, a bolt of lightning hit a tremendous elm tree that was like more than five, not more than five ten feet away from where we were were just minutes ago. Just split that elm tree, knocked down the the wires, the high tension wires there. Set a transformer on fire. And I want to tell you, there's was more excitement. But uh, this was in Maine. This was uh, one of those uh, uh, tremendous late summer Maine thunder and lightning storms. But the, some of the worst lightning I've ever seen in my life. I mean, real lightning man. And uh, don't you believe, incidentally, that old canard that lightning never hits more than once in a place? Uh, any guy that lives out in the country will tell you the reason that lightning hits a place is because there's something about that thing, that place, that draws lightning, so it's going to hit more than once there. Uh whoa, whoa I tell you, speaking of lightning hitting, this is WOR New York. Uh, yes, sir, the RKO General Station of your choice. As a matter of fact, uh, lightning often strikes executives around here on a quiet Friday morning. I mean, you can hear a thunder coming down a hall and zap. The next thing you know, you see this guy's head on fire. And he's uh, he's out there with the with the great uh, unemployed. <laughs> I mean, that's another kind of lightning. That's psychic lightning. The great
1: combination, great combination in New York. The great combination, great combination in New York.
0: New York and Channel 9. It's a great combination. Like having a hot dog with all the trimmings. Or a hot pastrami on rye. Or some sizzling sausage smothered in peppers and cooled by a refreshing lemon ice. Combinations have always been a New York thing. For New York makes them in a very special way. And that's what makes them great. Channel 9 combines the very best in television entertainment with The Lucy Show. Two different shows each weeknight at 5.30 and 7. Plus, action and adventure on It Takes a Thief. Two great shows together on New York's great combination.
1: New York, the great combination. The great combination. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh. Tomorrow. No, no. Saturday. What am I talking about? Saturday night. I'm jumping the gun here. Saturday you're listening to the finale of last year's Carnegie Hall Show. And this Saturday night at 8 o'clock, I'm doing my only New York live performance at Carnegie Hall. 8 p.m. Saturday night. And I've already got the rosin on my shoes. i got the gigantic uh, metal megaphone built into my head, and I'm ready to go. There will be tickets on sale at the box office. I repeat, there will be. We set aside a lot of tickets for people who come into town at night. It's 8 p.m. Saturday night. Wow! Hey, cut it out, you... Listen to that,
1: Summer.
0: Yeah, yeah, all right. You can thank the world out there.
1: Saturday night, 8 o'clock, Carnegie
0: Hall. Listen to that, isn't that something? It embarrasses me to hear it.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. That
0: was the last... uh, That was the last minute of last year's show. And what a fantastic crowd. What a wild night. And uh, we will be there Saturday night, as I said, Saturday night at 8 o'clock. And uh, I can just tell you this. Ever since the middle of summer, I've been feeling that growing excitement in my gut for this big, uh, you know, big performance. Cause there's nothing like Carnegie Hall. And that's 8 o'clock, Saturday night, Carnegie Hall. If you want to know the address, it's 154 West 57th Street. New York City, so you better get your babysitter all lined up. There will be seats on sale at the box office, but get there early. That is a warning. I'll tell you. I've told this story before, but, gee, you know, uh, when I hear about lightning, I, I, I have great respect for lightning. And I was on at least three or four occasions around a really good lightning shot that really, really did it. Uh, one time when I was a caddy, I'll never forget this one, uh, caddies tend to see lightning, and one of the reasons they tend to see lightning is because golf courses, of course, are not uh, mountainous generally. There's a big, flat, open space, and there's trees, and uh, and uh, lightning strikes them. And uh, I was out caddying one morning. Uh, it was a, kind of a warm, sultry muggy. You can feel lightning in the air, you know. If you if you live in lightning country, and Indiana is one of the great lightning states. Uh, oh, listen, I'll tell you. Uh, some guys have even figured out plans out there. There was so much lightning around Fort Wayne one time for a whole period of time. They were trying to figure out plans to harness the lightning to run the local power company. <laughs> this stuff was zapping around up there. It's like 30 million volts. It really is. Tremendous force in a lightning bolt. And and lightning is so unpredictable that that lightning is one of the most unpredictable elements in nature. I mean, what it actually will do. Here, here's a case of a guy getting hit on the head with a lightning bolt, and here he is. He's all he lost was a toenail. He's walking around. I mean, you know, who would predict that? I mean, if, if somebody said the uh, guy get hit by lightning, if they would forget it, he's atomized. Well, he may wear he may very well have been depending on a lot of uh, intangibles. Nobody quite knows. You know, lightning is one of the most difficult things to study because it's over so fast. <laughs> I mean, you can't really isolate it. And uh, all the various uh, uh, humidity conditions and the ground conditions, and all very unique. Every place is different, you know. So every bolt of lightning has its own character. Well, I was out caddying one morning, and uh, I learned a lot about life caddying, Oh yeah, I learned about how guys cheat. I uh, I learned about temper, fantastic temper. You know, I actually saw a minister one morning, a minister, a Presbyterian minister, out on the eighth tee, get so mad, uh, and and I was I was uh, caddying in his foursome. I didn't, he wasn't my uh, he wasn't my guy, and his minister topped the ball. He he hit a a little number, see, so he he teed up another ball. Now, this was a Presbyterian minister with three names. You know, that's an official type. I mean, you know, Norman Vincent Peale type. You don't just call him Normie. You know, and there he is. The Rev is out there, and he puts up his ball. He was using crow flights, in case you're interested. Number two, the crow flight two. He puts the crow flight up on his, using these uh, plastic uh, fluorescent tees. You know, he had it all, you know. And uh, yes, uh, the one concession he made to being a minister was that he's the only guy I ever saw that had a black golf cap, uh, <laughs> and it's another, a matching black golf bag. It was kind of elegant. So here he is out there uh, at teeing up again, and I was standing off to one side by the ball washing rack, you know, there, and I'm I'm holding my my bag so as not to make it rattle, see. And he has just topped the ball that went down the fairway a good 30, 40 feet, you know, bouncing, hopping among the gravel, among the, among the gravel and stuff. So he, he, oh, this thing the You know, Now, most of us lesser men can give vent at that point, and even even Lee Trevino does, certainly Jack Nicklaus does. Nicklaus has been known to say some of the better things that have been said on golf courses upon topping a ball. Yes, it's a great, uh, every golfer, has a great vocabulary uh, to be used for various types. So uh, certain golfers will use a certain type of vocabulary only for the mid iron shots, which are particularly irritating. There's nothing like a a, a recalcitrant two iron. I mean, uh, the, the two iron can be vicious. You, you agree, Jerry? Two iron can be a vicious iron. Uh, there are the more benign irons, like say the seven and the nine. These are benign irons, but the two iron can go in any direction. I have seen God. <laughs> but anyway, here he was, up on the up on the P with his number one wood. Well, he this was a minister, and I, I was about to learn a lesson. I'd always thought that uh, Christian forbearance, have you always heard this term, turn the other cheek, uh, all the rest of that stuff that you hear? Well, the minister is up there. This golf is a game that will cause practically every deeply religious man to forego many of his more treasured precepts. I don't know what it is about that game. I don't know what it is. I, 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 I But there's been shootings on golf courses. I've never seen one, but I wouldn't doubt it. Wouldn't you say that, Jerry? Absolutely. I, I, I'm i sure that there have been many cases of suicide right out there on the course. You know, the guy carries right there in his ball bag, right on the side of his club thing. He carries a 38, in case of, you know, final unction. Well, he lines up that second shot. Now, he has been having a very rough round. We are now on the eighth tee, right? Now, he's been having a bad round. And uh, he's been hacking in the bushes most of the time. And and, uh, he's lost about 12 balls already in the water and everything else like that, see? And this was a beautiful tee. The tee was sort of like a little isthmus that stuck out in the water. There was water all around it, see? And down was the slope this gravel slope, sort of a little scrub grass, and then the water was down there, about 40 or 50 feet down, and the water was maybe 75 feet across, and on the other side was the fairway, right? It was a kind of interesting hole. You had to bop it right over, because no problem. You know, hit it right over that that water. So he winds up his second shot, and he stood for a long time. You can sense it. If you've been a, a, a caddy, you can sense when, when it just isn't going to work. You know that? You know what it is? You sense somehow there's a tenseness in the air. You know that. It's like watching a bad comic struggle, and you know he ain't going to be funny. You know that feeling? You sense it. Well, here's the rev with his black golfing cap shining in the sun there, and God's own sky above it. And he, he addressed the ball. And I look over to K. this guy we call Bud. A, he was also a class A kid. I remember Bud, big fat Bud. And I look over at Bud wearing his, uh, his sweaty T-shirt and Bud looks at me and, and our eyes just went back and forth like that because we knew, we knew that, that something about the way he was, he was addressing the ball, there was a certain tenseness. And he had, and, and you can always tell when a guy has a very careful wavering back swing, back, you know, that back swing wavers up. It doesn't go up neat and, you know, like you see somebody like Sam Snead. He's got this natural swing. That, that club comes back just right. the perfect arc and then, you know, you hit that click of the ball. And uh, there's something about it. Well, his back swing wobbled as it went up. It wobbled. He paused for an instant at the top, which is fatal. He paused for a long instant at the top of the backswing. He was aiming at the ball rather than doing what you should do, right? Well, he paused, and the the club came down, and he took a swing, I want to tell you. It was pure meanness. It was only a 200, maybe 210-yard hole, but he swung with meanness, evil. He swung with ferocity. He swung at that ball. just went whoop. You hear the what and the and the instant he hit it, that, that dull pluck. You know, yeah. It goes plock and the ball goes doo doo do, splash. Now well, we stood there for a, a long second. The 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 uh, the foursome. One of them was a druggist. One of them was an undertaker, and the other guy was the Chevy agent in town. These were all big-type guys from town, you know, big Rotary-types, Rotary Kiwanis clubs. And the Reverend, of course, was a very highly respected reverend in town. In fact, he always delivered the the prayer whenever people graduated and stuff like that. When he said something in a snake-like hiss,
1: I was amazed... I mean,
0: I'd only heard that once before, and it was down at the pool.
1: It was a guy named Skoke, one of the
0: meanest, rottenest pool players I ever saw, once said that in a very bad pool game that was going on. And I shouldn't have done it. I was delivering papers, actually. I heard that phrase. At the time when I heard Skoke say it, I only had the vaguest idea what it meant. Well, he hissed that out, and these three guys looked, and it's just a reverend, you know. At that point, he says, give me the bag. But that precise reverence speech, give me that damn bag. He takes his bag, walks down the hill to the edge of the water, just takes the bag twice around the head, whoop, whoop, and lets it go. The bag sailed out 15, 20 feet, clubs flying out of it, towels, balls, a, 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 a Bible. A couple of catechisms, the whole bit, out into the middle of the of the water, and plop! The only time I honest to God ever saw a guy do that. You've seen that in in cartoons, guys throwing clubs in the water. He, I, he actually did it. He turned around and he t- he said to Bud, who was his caddy, he says, "If you want that, if you want the bag, if you want the clubs, they are yours."
1: And he stalked
0: off, leaving it a threesome. Well, Bud waded into the mud at <laughs> <to> a go, <laughs> and he had himself one hell of a set of golf clubs. They were a little formal for Bud, who was not quite exactly the black golf bag type, but uh, they sufficed, you know. And it was a great moment of education, and the three guys went on. About the, about the 11th hole, they started to laugh about it, and one of them said to the other, I remember the Chevy dealer saying to the other ticket, where, where do you think he learned that phrase? And the, and the undertaker is is well, he wasn't always a reverend, you know. <laughs> and, uh, so you learn these things, and on, on the same, the same, more or less the same kind of stroke of, of fortune. Ah, on a very muggy late uh, summer, early fall afternoon, I learned uh, the first time the truth about lightning. The first time the truth about lightning. We're way out around the 14th hole, which is way out on the back nine, you know, way the hell out. And you could see way off in the distance, you could see the clubhouse. When all of a sudden, that thunderstorm started to move up out of the west. You could see those great black clouds. And out there in the Midwest, of course, the sky is immense. You could really see sky out there. I mean sky. And you could see that baby coming from way down there. You could see that great black Hovering a pile of clouds, and all the rest of the sky all around us was just nothing but, but burning brass sun. That's all you could see. That big pile, and they went way up in the air. You see those big thunderheads. Well, you could hear the distant sound. You could put You know the distant sound of thunder and you know, Well, these guys that we were with, talk about fatheads. They, you know, they says, oh come on, let's go. We're going to keep on. So the guy takes out his oil. Skin jacket, you know, another guy's got a, a nylon jacket, and they put the jackets on, they're gonna play to hell with the rain. Say, well, rain isn't the worst thing that can happen, not at all, when you're on the golf course, by far. Well, we are struggling along through the 14th hole when this baby started hitting you. Could feel that cold air, you know, before a storm hits you, there's all kinds of things happen to Roger. The, 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 uh, uh, the, the. The tremendous drop of the barometer, uh, which happens, and then so there's a clammy chill suddenly hits the air, and, and a couple of brief puffs of cold air. <sighs> now, it was warm up to that point. The temperature must have dropped about thirty degrees. You know, out there in the in the uh, in the big flat prairies out in the Midwest, the temperature really can, in five minutes, it's hard to believe. In New York, the the temperature can drop as much as fifty degrees in five minutes. Yes, it's hard to believe. It'll be 100 degrees, and it'll drop to 50. And, man, when it does do that, you better get yourself a hole and dig it real quick and get in it. Because it's going to hit. Well, sure enough, out of the darkness came this storm, (laughs) see? And the next thing we know, we're in the middle of this fantastic thunderstorm. I mean, it was a cloudburst, man. And that crane is just roaring down. And and have you ever seen, have have you ever really seen hail, real hail? You couldn't believe some of the hail that, that, that you get out in those big, big Midwestern states. In fact, I've heard of hail. I have not seen hail like this size, but I have heard of hail coming down out of the sky, dropping maybe 20 or 30,000 feet. Uh, hailstones the size of cantaloupes. That's hard to believe, but can you imagine getting beamed by one of those? Well, now that's absolutely possible. If you know what 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 uh, what causes these things, you know what causes hailstones. It's yeah. rain. Here's what happens: uh, in this cold, dropping temperature in the upper atmosphere, uh, suddenly water will condense and start to fall. And as it falls, it freezes as it hits a colder layer of air. But then what happens? You see, if that then gets caught in an updraft and it goes up again, see, and water forms around it. You see, water will form around it when it gets up there. Again, there's moist air, and the water will form around this tiny pellet. It's the same principle as seeding clouds, that this little tiny pellet of frozen rain goes up, and as it gets up, more water will will condense on it, and then it drops again. Therefore, it freezes in, in successive layers, and if it keeps going up and down, the next thing you know, you've got this baby the size of a golf ball. And then it, it'll reach a certain point when, it, when the wind, because so there's fantastic updrafts, you know, in thunderstorms. I, I, as a pilot, uh, you know, you learn a lot about weather. And, you, in fact, legally, you have to learn a lot about weather. Are you aware that in certain thunderheads, I'm talking about thunderheads, you know, you've seen a big anvil-shaped cloud. Oh, that's the killer cloud. Uh, this has caused many, many an airplane to be ripped apart, just like a bomb hit it. But... Uh,
1: Inside those clouds,
0: there are vertical winds that have been clocked as high as 3,000 miles an hour. (laughs) That's right. I'm not exaggerating, friend. So these are immense things that are going on there, see? And, of course, this lightning is playing around up in that thunderhead up there, see? And, wow, this baby is hitting in thunder. Like, what do you think these. These fatheads did. You know, they were paying our salary. See, these fat guy says, come on, let's go, kid. Here's like a little rain stop. You know, or, or, hardy, har hard, you know. So they're smashing away there in the rain, and you know, hitting the balls on the go.
1: <laughs> well, all of a sudden,
0: <laughs> oh, I, I, this, this is a great moment of my life. All of a sudden, way up ahead of me there, see, this this one guy can hit pretty good. He, he was just terrible. He'd get all these wrong p shots. But after that, forget it, that was his only game. You know, he was one of these guys that learned his entire golf game at the, at the driving range, See, that's it. So he'd hit this long shot. After that, he's down in the weeds, hacking away. You know, he's got these good 20-foot iron shots he'd knock off, you know. And uh, he was at least a 17-putt man. Uh, every green, uh, you know, back and forth, he'd go in and out of the tramp. But he got these good shots off the tee, so he hits a long shot. And he takes off through the rain after his ball, right down a fairway. Well, my guy was kind of a duffer, you know, he hits a, you know, a 75 yard drive, uh, bounces along the ground in the water, so we're down there amid this. So I am, I, I, I spot the guy's ball, and I said, here's your ball, see? He said, okay. You know, this is part of the caddy's, uh, caddy's talent is to spot balls. By the way, you're, you're now listening. To one of the legendary ball spotters Uh, in fact I had never lost that talent the last time I played golf which was out at the the Garden State Pro-Am over here at the uh, Great Gorge Playboy Club here last month we played this big for the gardens I went around the course there and I did nothing but spot balls for pro you know I I I always consider it no uh, a, 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 a totally unsuccessful round of golf Jerry unless I come back with at least four times the balls I left with. I, you know, I get more fun out of finding, ball than, uh, finding a ball than scoring an eagle, you know. <laughs> I'm out there, I spot these great balls. So so I spot the guy's balls. Here's your ball, see. Well, way up ahead, see, I see this guy up there. He's looking around, and he's on the edge of the rope, see. And, and the bud is, is flailing along, dragging a bag in the rain. It's pouring down, and everything is pouring off our heads. And then lightning is banging around all around. Boom, bow, boom, bam. Well, I start down the fairway, and I see the guy down there. He says, "Hey, where's my ball?" He can't find his ball, so he's going to hold us. i want to get the hell out of here, so I'm going to spot his ball. So I start going down the fairway to look for his ball. I get about halfway, and I he says, "Here it is! I got it!" And he's got his number two iron. And I want to say again, that is a vicious club. This is a lesson to any of you golfers who persist in playing in the rain. Had he had a number three wood, this would not have occurred. Yeah, a three wood, had he even used a number four wood. But he, he, like all many golfers, he believed he could actually play with the long irons. So he he reaches in and takes out a number two iron. He walks up to the ball. (laughs) That was a great moment. Are you ready for this, Bill? Teach you a lesson, friend. This big slob walks up to the ball. He says... Oh, here goes nothing. Little he realize how truthful he spoke. He goes back on the backswing, and just as he does, wham! Just like that. Can you have a little echo chamber on that, Bill? He goes on the backswing. Wham! A lightning bolt, just as he gets the the, 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 the thing on the peak of the backswing, a lightning bolt came down, knocked him flat. Boom! And the th- oh, the thunderclap, and he is sitting down there in the weeds.
1: Well, he was <laughs> he was
0: wearing plaid slacks. Well, I want to tell you, you should have seen those slacks, bell type. The bottoms were burning. He's sitting down in the weeds. The rain is coming down, and he's holding the stump of his number two iron up. <laughs> It <laughs> just took the head of that club off. It took about a foot and a half of the shaft. It just nubbled it right, almost damn down, down to the handle. He's standing there, and, and, and he was stunned. You know, he didn't know what happened. And, and the only thing he thinks he says, "Where'd the ball go?" He thought he hit such a fantastic shot.
1: <laughs>
0: well, I want to tell you this: that the moment was so dramatic. Bud didn't know what to do. You know, all of us are standing around. Here he's sitting in the weeds. He's holding up the club like that. He'd been hit by lightning. Well, at that point, his friend, who was with me, says, What happened to Holly?" And he runs down there. See, and all, all of a sudden, Bud, you know, uh, people are filled with all kinds of folk myths about lightning. You know, there's all kinds of... Bud, at that point, hollered, Don't touch him! If you touch somebody, you been hit by lightning, you're going to get electrocuted. Don't touch him! Now, I don't know where he picked that one up. So, uh, I, my my golfer stuck, what was that? He said, don't touch him. If you touch a guy who's been hit by lightning, you are going to get electrocuted. And with that, Howie, who's sitting in the weeds, Howie, what do you mean? Who got hit by lightning? He didn't even know he'd been hit. I guess he was stunned or something. Well, at that point, it was fascinating because people began to run. You know, they had seen it happen. There were other people on the course so They were running towards us They say, and now there's a whole crowd standing around Howie who's gotten up out of the weeds. He's got this smoking shaft of his club in his hands. Like, <laughs> hit by
1: lightning. It was
0: at that point that I learned a hell of a lot. I learned many things that moment. One thing I learned is that the number two iron is much more dangerous than I had even thought. Dangerous club. Mean club. I question whether that would have happened had he been using a number 9. Or even a number 5, which can be pretty sneaky itself. As far as the number 4 club is concerned, I wouldn't even have one in my bag. I have known guys that have been attacked, actually personally attacked, by their 4-iron, jump right out of the damn bag at home, chase them down into the basement. But as far as the number two iron is concerned, that iron ranks with the hooded cobra. And I'll tell you, nothing is sweeter than a number two iron when it's working. Oh, I have seen. That's what makes it dangerous. It's like a beautiful woman. When she's giving you the sweet talk, it's groovy, fantastic. But when she's making you into human coleslaw, nothing is more evil than a beautiful woman. Mayonnaise on your head, little salt and little pepper, marinating you. That's the way with the number two iron. It can give you an awful sweet, beautiful, long, hard, lovely iron shot.
1: But on the other hand, Bap,
0: Like the God himself was telling Howie, stay away from the two iron. Stay away from the two iron. And, of course, that spread throughout the club, cats. And there were guys sitting in the clubhouse for weeks after that. And, and by the way, the stump of Howie's number two iron is in the club museum, along with other various... In fact, uh, there was a famous club in that museum where a guy had bet another guy that he could go around the course and beat him using a window sash weight. And he did. And that sash weight is there in the museum. stump of that club in the glass case caused all that talk, and those guys used to sit around and they would discuss whether or not it ever would have happened that he'd been using the wood. And another guy said, well, I don't think Howie should ever be playing golf. He's a, he's a born bowler. He shouldn't be out on the golf course. He's a danger to us all. But that moment, that lightning bolt came down out of that cloud with those great big balls of sleep <laughs> roaring down. That very instant when I saw Howie's plaid Slacks blow up into flame when he sat down in the water there, holding up that burning, sizzling stump. I learned something, friends. I'm not quite sure what it was, but I learned something. Ever since that moment, I keep looking back over my shoulder. In fact, I'm probably the only guy you know who has a set of personal walking lightning rods built into his ears. You think these are sunglasses I wear? Hell no. They're grounded plants. They're little tiny lightning rods from the International Lightning Rod Company of Waukesha, Wisconsin. And I trail little pieces of wire behind me to keep me grounded at all times. You never know when God may hurl one of them bolts out of the sky to warn you of something that you've been doing and you shouldn't have done.